time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Hey, welcome to another edition of Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy. He is the founder of CP Weldy Group, a certified financial planner as well as a CPA. It just wasn't enough for you, Charles. You're like, ah, I'm a certified financial planner. Might as well be a CPA as well. And you know, just just add all these awesome um, you know designations to the end of my title. Were, were you one of those kids in school that just was like an overachiever, just can't get the A but got to go for the A plus? Yeah, that was kind of me. But like you know, in retro respect i mean really the cpa stands for you know couldn't pass again and uh cfp stands for can't find people so outside of that things are going great i love it i love it well i'm looking forward to uh diving into our topic today as we got a couple of different things to touch on charles and i think both of these things will end up being right up your alley and as both a certified financial planner and a cpa uh, we're gonna be talking about mastering retirement cash flow and in particular we're going to look at understanding the income part of that equation. And so I think this will be really helpful if you are trying to understand maybe the crucial role of you know why someone like Charles talks often about getting an income analysis or understanding guaranteed income versus what's uncertain in your retirement life. We want to provide some practical solutions and guidance on the show today to help you learn a little bit more about preparing for retirement, in particular as it relates to income and retirement cash flow. So let's start with the basics here, Charles. I mean, why is understanding this whole income part of the equation critical for financial stability for somebody? And what happens if you don't have a clear picture of your retirement income? Well, I think, you know, definitely understanding income is critical because, uh, you know, the last I've heard, seven out of 10 people are concerned about running out of money in retirement. That's one of their major concerns. So obviously having an understanding of where the money's coming from, how it's going to be taxed, you know, that's really critical. But, you know, people, when they retire, they've got, you know, a set of expenses. Some of them are fixed. Some of them are variable. But the big culprit, Walter, in a 25, 30-year retirement is inflation. So if you need a dollar today and, you know, inflation's like 4% average per year, you might need like three times the amount, $3, to pay what $1 pays for today. So it's really critical to really have an income plan and, you know, not just like, hey, how much do I need? You know, where's it coming from? You really need to maybe um, have that income coming from different sources. Like, you know, it could be like after-tax money, pre-tax money, or tax-free money. And if you have that, you know, kind of coordinated properly, uh, your, you know, your money might last a lot longer solely because, um, you know, you're keeping the tax plan at bay. It's a great point. So that's a good scene setter for why we're diving into this important topic. So let's talk about some examples, Charles. Do you have a few different uh, examples of of the various sources of income people might have in retirement? I think people are often surprised at just how many different directions income can come from. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'll kind of go through like a W-2 or a a 1040, a form 1040. I'm kind of visualizing going down the form. And the first uh, entry would be like W-2 wages. Now, I know people when they retire, you know, a lot of people retire and they don't work at all. But there's a lot of people that can't retire. They need to work part time. And some people that just want to work part time. So, you know, W-2 income is a you know, a component of uh, income and retirement. Maybe uh, not as much as you were making when you were full-time, but there's a lot of part-time workers. And again, some people do it because they need to work. Other people do it because they want something to do. So that's one component. Another uh, component would be interest in dividends. I mean, obviously people have after-tax investments and hopefully they're generating some income 
whether they're dividends or interest or capital gains, you know, that's definitely a source of income. And then once people reach a, a certain age, I mean, it used to be 70 and a half, and now, depending upon your age, it could be as late as 72, you're required to take money out of your IRAs. And as a general rule, you know, whatever your IRA balance is, maybe four, four and a half percent is kind of an accurate ballpark number of what you're required to take out, whether you need that money or not. And then there's people that are fortunate to have pensions. I mean, you know, some of the older people that I meet, you know, that work for government or maybe for, um, you know, school systems or, you know, things of that nature, they have pensions, which is like wonderful. But the bulk of people do not have pensions. And if you don't have a pension, you know, you can perhaps create like a pension in the form of an annuity where, you know, you have some predictable income coming in. Um, and then there's other people that, you know, might have rental properties, which is kind of a, uh, I guess that's kind of a, a type of an annuity. You have income coming in after you pay your expenses uh, on that rental property. And then lastly, but not leastly, is uh, Social Security. I mean, pretty much, you know, most people when they hit 62, 67, 70, you know, can access a Social Security benefit for the remainder of their lifetime. So you got all these different types of income and they're all taxed in a different way, but by and large, you know, that, that's what makes up the uh, income in retirement, those uh, six or seven categories. Yeah, good to have those different categories, kind of understand where they might come from, and people can start thinking about, oh, okay, yeah, I think I've got something in this category, or, ooh, I don't know, I can't remember. I think I had a job once that had a pension involved, or, hmm, I haven't checked my Social Security possible payouts recently. Maybe I should do that and get some updated numbers. All of those things hopefully are kind of sparking some additional questions in people's minds. Now, is it important to have any sort of diversity in those sources, or can we rely more heavily on just one of these, Charles? Like if like, ah, I got a big pension at work, so just all my eggs are in that basket, or are we better off trying to have as many sources as we can? Well, I, I think it's important to have many sources, as many sources as you possibly can. I mean, uh, in the past, it was a, they called it the three-legged stool, like one-third of your, your retirement money came from Social Security. One third came from a pension. One third came from your investments. But today, with most people not having a pension, they're relying a lot on Social Security and a lot on their investments. So um, what we try to do is really look at people's investments. And when we talk about diversification, yeah, we're talking about like how much you have in conservative investments, like fixed income. What do you have in, you know, things that might be short term risk, but long term not risk like stocks. But we also say, hey, you know, what? portion of that money is in pre-tax accounts, post-tax accounts, and tax-free accounts. Because realistically, you know, the way the tax system is set up, you know, a lot of people, if you're married filing a joint return, you could have income a little over hundred grand, let's call it 110 grand, and still be in a very low tax bracket, you know, perhaps 12%. So obviously people might need more than 110 grand to live on in retirement. And if they do, and they have access to tax-free money, they can always keep themselves in that sweet spot, that 12% or less tax bracket. So when you talk about sources of retirement income, um, yeah, you know, most people will think, yeah, I got stocks, I got bonds, I've got life insurance. But the way we look at it is, hey, how much do you have in pre-tax accounts that's going to eventually be taxed? How much do you have in post-tax accounts that you're only taxed on the growth? And how much do you have in tax-free where you'll never be taxed? And try to coordinate some type of income program that will keep you in that lower tax bracket. Well, we knew taxes would come up as part of that conversation with that CPA background, uh, Charles. And yeah, that's an important consideration as well. 
I want to break it down a little bit further into that guaranteed conversation, because anybody who's approaching retirement has probably seen marketing at some point in time where this word starts popping up more and more, saying, okay, guaranteed income. So it raises the natural questions. First of all, what's the guarantee? What is that? How should somebody then balance guaranteed versus non-guaranteed income sources in their plan? Do we need to have all or, all or one? Uh, I mean, you know, it's probably good to have a combination of more than one. But, you know, for me, guaranteed income really represents like Social Security. That's pretty much guaranteed. I mean, obviously, if uh, the government defaults, we're all out of business, so to speak. The second type of guaranteed income could be a pension, you know, and again, most people don't have them today. But if you're fortunate to have one, you know, God bless you. But lastly, annuities. Annuities are, you know, guaranteed by, I, I guess, a full faith backing of the insurance company and you know for the most part i like annuities in the sense that you know they kind of relieve the pressure on your portfolio so if you can like maybe have a certain portion of your income guaranteed and you know maybe the portion that would be guaranteed would be you know for your fixed expenses like for your household maybe your daily living expenses your food your gas your health care um you know if you have that nut covered by guaranteed income pension Social Security and or annuity in lieu of a pension or rental income if you have a rental property, you're good to go. Uh, then you have you know the remaining money in your, um, I guess, like less predictable uh, bucket, so to speak, generally speaking, stocks. And hopefully, like, you know, if you can balance predictable income with unpredictable income, uh, those stocks could grow and then you know, replenish the annuities over time. So um, it's really, a, you know, uh, an art and a science how to create, you know, income that will last longer than you, uh, that will rise with inflation, and that will give you a high sense of confidence that you're going to run out of air before you run out of money. So, you know, guaranteed income versus uh, non-guaranteed income, there's no magic formula. But, you know, my background and my experience has shown me that the people that have more guaranteed income are a lot happier, less worried, and uh, they tend to live longer because they can't wait for that check to come in the next month. Well, I want to also, I mean, I think so much about this whole planning for retirement deal and these conversations with you, Charles. I like to try to touch on things that I think that listeners have probably heard just in their everyday life or in any research that they've done on their own. That's why we kind of break down these different, not necessarily buzzwords, but these different concepts of, okay, guaranteed income and different sources and what are the different questions that get sparked. Again, I think anybody preparing for retirement maybe has run across the term or the concept of paycheck versus playchecks. And I'm curious, can you explain how those different sources of income that you've kind of listed out on today's episode are supposed to meet the needs for those categories? And and what do those categories mean to you? Yeah, so I I heard this uh, concept paychecks versus playchecks from a gentleman by the name of Tom Hegney. He's a great speaker in the industry. I've met him uh, quite a few times, uh, read his books, listened to his tapes, you know, very well-informed you know, mentor in the industry. And he basically says, hey, your, your uh, paycheck really will cover, you know, those expenses that are necessity. And again, you know, uh, living in your house, you know, feeding yourself, health care, uh, transportation, things of that nature that, hey, come higher hell water, you know, we've got to have that money each and every month to pay for those expenses. So that's really your paycheck. Your paycheck would be something that, hey, it's kind of discretionary, uh, you know, yeah, we all like to take vacations, but maybe every two or three years you take a really nice vacation. 
you know, maybe you want to buy that, you know, car, uh, you know, maybe your budget is really like 50000 but the one you really want is 80000 So the point I'm making is paychecks and playchecks, you know, the paychecks will pay for the, you know, necessary expenses that you need each and every month. And the playchecks will actually help you create income, predictable income that will, you know, maybe get you a little extra, you know, each and every month in terms of discretionary expenses. Helpful breakdown there, Charles. Thank you. Uh, I guess last but not least, to kind of wrap our conversation up today, what are the strategies or are there strategies if we want to maximize that guaranteed income? Is that a different approach than how we handle the non-guaranteed income? I guess, what's your process for handling these two different sources and organizing them for your clients? Well, I mean, just for this podcast, I'll give a simple example. So let's just say that someone wasn't interested at all in guaranteed income. They just wanted to live off of the interest and or dividends on their investments. And let's just say that their portfolio was worth a million dollars and they needed $30,000 a year. So if they didn't want any guaranteed income, predictable income, they would, you know, perhaps put that in a treasury bill, 10-year treasury. I don't know what it's paying today, but let's just say it was like 3%. So 3% of a million dollars is $30,000 a year. They need $30,000 a year each and every year to supplement their lifestyle over and above Social Security and or pension. Uh, So that is someone who, for the most part, you know, doesn't want predictable income. They just want you know, uh, money coming in each and every month. Uh, They don't want any volatility in the stock market. They want that 30 grand, you know, per year. Uh, You know, it's not that hard to plan for them, but, you know, the reality of it is fast forward 10, 15, 20 years with inflation, that billion dollars is worth substantially less in terms of purchasing power. So let's let's, uh, contrast that with someone who really wants to guarantee some income, whether it's uh, for a period of time or for their lifetime. For this example, we'll just use a period of time. Let's say they want to guarantee income for 10 years at $30,000 a year. Well, what I would do in that instance is I would take 300 grand and I would put it into an investment that, you know, maybe has a floor zero, which means it can't go down. It can only go up. But realistically, when you're pulling money out of an investment, you know, each and every month for 10 years, uh, you got to make sure it's safe and secure. So basically, that might be in an annuity that perhaps pays the same as a 10-year treasury, 3%. So with that concept, what I've just done is I've taken the million dollars, I carved out 300 grand, I've actually created $30,000 a year for 10 years, even if it doesn't grow. If it grows at 3% a year, it's going to last another two years. But what I really did, Walter, is I freed up 700 grand, 1 million minus 300,000. And, you know, I put it into a growth bucket where if history's any guide and the market does 6% or north of 6%, in 10 or 12 years, that money in that later bucket, you know, could double from 700,000 to well over a million. It could be 1.4 million. So the point I want to make is there's no right answer for everyone. But if you want to, like, you know, minimize your tax burden, you know, take care of inflation, have more predictable income, I think most people should gravitate towards having a higher level of guaranteed slash predictable income in their portfolio than uh, just trying to like, you know, wish and hope for the best, you know, in years to come. That's a great perspective. Wish and hope is great, but we need that plan there to back it all up. And that's what Charles works on each and every day for his clients, building plans that get you not only to retirement, but all the way through it. And he brings that expertise as both a certified financial planner 
and a CPA. So you make sure that always that tax angle is considered and taken advantage of as much as possible. So if you've got questions for Charles about anything we've talked about today or something as it relates to your retirement planning specifically, you can always reach out very easily by calling 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705 or go online to CP weldygroup.com that's cpweldygroup.com there on the website you can also get in touch and contact the team through various resources and we're going to put the contact information in the description of today's show so it makes it nice and easy for you well charles thank you so much for walking us through this conversation today mastering retirement cash flow and understanding income very helpful perspective and we'll look forward to picking up another episode with you down the line thank you Walter. all right we appreciate it that's charles weldy We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.